I've always known the verse where Jesus talks about leaving the Holy Spirit for us, but it didn't really impact me. I felt like it was for the first century church, not for me. Uh, we attended the Holy Spirit retreat and we went there with a little bit of fear and trepidation and we were really pleasantly surprised and super encouraged by that experience. At the end of the Holy Spirit retreat, there was an opportunity to go back and receive prayer and ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we did that and I felt that we were both on board with that experience and wanted to do it. And it was a positive experience. I felt a real closeness to God. But some of the things that we asked for as far as um, manifesting certain gifts of the Holy Spirit, we didn't have that experience. And um, so we left and we definitely felt changed that day, but we, we didn't feel like we got 100% to where we wanted to go or where God even was kind of whispering to us that we could go with Him as far as just really coming into relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, after the Holy Spirit retreat, we took a global trip to India where uh, there's a lot more spiritual activity just visibly in the culture than there is in the West. So that was another level of encountering the Holy Spirit in a different way. Seeing more warfare was definitely different, but um, being on the side of it that that is on God's side of it. It was still a really positive experience. It wasn't really all that scary or negative. We completed that trip and I felt like God moved me forward in a step as far as knocking out the fear factor. And one morning when I was getting ready for work, I kind of stepped out of my routine and I turned on um, a teaching. And I could hear that this pastor was teaching on the Holy Spirit. So I went out and sat on the end of my bed and I was just glued. One of those times where you think, well, this TV is on just for me right now. This seems to be in favor of God because this is exactly the stuff I'm wondering about. And so I was super excited just about that teaching. And so I finished getting ready for work and hustled out the door and um, jumped in the car and I often pray or, or do my memory verses on the way to work. So I began that routine, which is really normal for me. And right about the time I hit Lake Nokomis, I felt just like a washing over from God, real similar to how I'd felt in worship. It was nothing scary or, you know, kind of eerie. It was just a really warm, relationship with the Lord, which I had, I feel like I had felt in worship before, so I wasn't really like something that would freak me out. But then as I began to pray, entered into um, a different prayer experience where I was able to experience a prayer language, which we had heard a lot about at the Holy Spirit retreat. And it was probably one of the most beautiful moments in my life with God. What I tell Scott is I feel like this is the level, this is the highest level I'm gonna get to before I see Jesus in heaven, which to me is like, how could I have wanted to skip this? I think that's a really powerful testimony by Leslie talking about, you know, how could I want to skip this? How could I want to skip something that was so beautiful after wanting something more from God and wanting this greater presence of the Holy Spirit in my life and wanting more and then kind of thinking like, oh, well, I'll just skip over it, but then to finally get it and then realizing, wow, Lord, there's so much there that's available. I'm so glad I didn't skip this. And I'm praying that our church will have that same mentality. 
I'm praying that you'll have that same thing that as we talk about the Holy Spirit's power, as we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as we talk about the benefits and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you won't be like this, like, well, skip, that's for you. Honey, that's for you. How many know guys do that? You go, honey, that's for you, not for me, skip. How many know that some of us go, no, that's for the crazy charismatics. I don't want that. I'll skip. How many know what I'm talking about, right? How many know that some of us just say, I've got all I want. I'm as, I'm as far as I want to go with God. Skip. I'll just pass on this one. We'll skip this series. Don't do that. Don't do that. Could you imagine being in a marriage where you said, honey, I know you as well as I want to. I don't want to know you anymore. <laughs> I know you're coming to me for counseling. No, you're not coming to me, but... You're going to a pro if you do that. Let's not do that with the Lord. Let's not do that with God. Let's not do that with what God has for us. We need more of the Holy Spirit in our life today. I agree with author Francis Chan, who wrote the book about the Holy Spirit called The Forgotten God. He said, I've never met someone with too much Holy Spirit. I agree with that. I think I've met a whole bunch of people that have too little or have none at all, but I've not met someone that has too much. I believe there's so much more available, and we've got to dig in and say, God, we want all that you have. If ever there was a time that the church needed to have more of the power of the Holy Spirit, it's right now. When you look around, evil is increasing, and we need to have more power of the Holy Spirit. If you look around this world, the, the world is looking for churches that have the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're seeing an empty shell of power, and they're being repelled by that. They need to see the power of the Holy Spirit. And God has more power available, and I don't want to be guilty of not telling you about it. And I've used the illustration before, but it hurts so much, I've got to use this illustration again. A few years ago, I bought a, a truck. I was in a hurry. I had about one hour to buy a truck. I said, I need that truck in one hour, 0% interest. I've got another meeting, but my lease is running out on this truck. I want to buy this one. I want to get it done. Can you do it? He said, yep, we can do it in an hour. So we started the process. At the end of the hour, 57 minutes, I had finished the complete sale of the car, purchased it, and he said, here's your key fob for your new truck. Just make sure you know, lock, unlock, trunk thing goes up, and this little button right here, you know about your remote starter. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you push lock twice, then you hold the top button down, and it'll remote start your truck. I said, hang on, could you give me my old key fob? So he gives me my old key fob, and I see that button, there's my old truck right there. I push lock twice, I hold that button down, I have remote starter, and I didn't know it. <laughs> For three years, I have had remote starter power in my hand, and I didn't know it. I mean, do you know how many winters I was thinking, I should put a remote starter in? I should put a remote starter in. Now, I'm trying to think, like, did the last salesperson not tell me? Did I not pay attention? Surely, I would have paid attention. I'm a Minnesotan. I would have paid attention to this, but I didn't know it. And I mean, that little button, I saw it there on my key fob for years. And I'd hold it down. I'd push it. I'd run it around the car, try to see what it'd do. It did nothing. It did nothing because I didn't lock first, then do that. Man, and I don't want to be the one that stands before God someday and you say, I didn't even know there was more power. 
I didn't even know I could be a more effective witness to my neighbor. I didn't even know that I could have these gifts of the Spirit in operation in my life. I didn't even know that those things were available to me. And so with that, I want to share with you and I want you to listen. And if you missed it, it's only because you didn't pay attention, okay? Because we're going to share about the power of the Holy Spirit in a three-week series. Now, I'm going to disarm your fears and I'm going to educate you about this. And I want to let you know that in the Bible... When people were introduced to the power of the Holy Spirit, they'd say, have you received the Spirit since you believed? And they were like, we didn't even know there was a Spirit. And they said, oh, this is great. Wait till you get this. It's going to be amazing. And they prayed for him. They didn't have fear of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we do in our culture, because of the way that we're raised and the culture that we live in, there's kind of like, oh, wait a minute. Matter of fact, some of you are afraid right now because you're like, oh, no, Pastor Rob's talking about it, and I like River Valley. Let's not mess it up. I know that that fear is there, okay? So we have to overcome the fear first, and then we'll get into the education of this. Because we're okay with God the Father. We're good with that. We like our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We got that one. We like that. We're okay with Jesus. We like Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus. That's good. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that's where we get a little tense. And maybe it's because King James Version says, Holy Ghost. How many know that that's a little scary? And then how many know there's those preachers that are like, Holy Spirit. How many know? And you know, you're like, what is that? I don't want that. You know, I don't want that. So we're, we're just, we're going to overcome the fears, and I've got to say this, that we need to activate the power of the Holy Spirit. What has happened is because we're afraid of the power of the Holy Spirit, we have deactivated the Holy Spirit. Many churches have deactivated the power of the Holy Spirit. We're like, it's okay for the Bible reading. It's okay to sing traditional things. It's okay to talk about Father, Son, and slip in Spirit real quick, but let's not get carried away with this. And we have deactivated the Holy Spirit. And I want to raise your just angst towards this, like your, your frustration that churches have deactivated or we have not activated the Holy Spirit enough. Um, if you're a football fan, this will make total sense to you. When the Vikings get down to third and goal, and they have to score, and there are those moments where you're watching the game, and our best player, for those of you that don't know it, is Adrian Peterson. And they'll have Adrian Peterson in the game. It'll be third and goal. They need to score a touchdown. And then for some reason, our coach will take Adrian Peterson out of the game. We need to score. And we're like, what are, you do- what are you doing? And the commentators are like, this makes no sense at all. Adrian Peterson is the best player in the NFL. Why are they putting him on the bench? Use him as a decoy. I don't understand the coaching. And we've deactivated Adrian. And he's standing on the sideline going, guys, I could score. I could score. And you could see him. He's frustrated. Thus are three and 11. Right? Okay, so that's our bad. You know what I mean? Okay, so you get, you see what's happening. And so if we're angry, men, if we're angry, like, why are you deactivating him? Why are you putting him on the bench? Why are we putting the Holy Spirit on the bench? He's the power. He's the one that is bringing the power of God today to the church. Let's not deactivate it. We need to score. We need to reach the lost. We need to press through enemy territory. And if ever we needed the power of the Holy Spirit, it's now. Now, in the Old Testament, The Holy Spirit was only poured out on some. He was only poured out on some. So prophets, priests, and kings had a special anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
The rest of the people had no experience with the Holy Spirit in that way. So prophet, priest, and king would have this special outpouring, and they'd flow and function in the gifts of the Spirit. Sometimes they'd prophesy. They'd see faith. They'd see miracles. They'd see different things happen, words of wisdom. You'd see these things happen in the Old Testament. And all in the Old Testament, people were longing for the day that God would pour out his Spirit on all flesh. Matter of fact, the prophet Joel prophesies about this. In Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, he says, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And what you have happening right here is the prophet Joel is saying it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to be poured out. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter references this. He says, this is what the prophet Joel was talking about. The Holy Spirit has been poured out upon this earth. Now, Jesus gives a glimpse to his disciples of what's going to happen in John 14, 16 through 17. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. John 16, verses 7 and also 12 through 14. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Jesus was giving his disciples a glimpse of what was going to happen when this outpouring of the Holy Spirit would take place. And we believe that there is a power of God that filled those disciples and became part of the church. Now, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, it's better that I leave than to stay. And if you're like me, I'm like, why? Why? I mean, sometimes don't you think like, Jesus, it would be so great if you were here. It'd be so great if you were here, like had a place in Jerusalem, we could all go see you and we could talk to you. It'd be so incredible. But just do the math for a minute. Do the math for a minute. There are 6 billion people on the planet. There are 6 billion people on the planet. And if we all wanted to go see Jesus, how many know how long the line would be? How many know that none of us would stay in that line because we're Americans and we complain about lines, right? How many know what I'm talking about? Like, I've been here three years. I have not moved. Could we make this more efficient? How many know what I'm talking about, right? And so we'd just be like, I'm just going to watch the Jesus channel and stay home. And I'm not, you know, right? Okay, because just do the math. You can't get there. You can't get there. And people would be monopolizing his time. Somebody would be trying to get the copyright. Somebody would do this. Somebody would be right hand, left hand. They'd be blocking the entrance. There'd be a mob, paparazzi. Think about it. And there's only one. There's only one place that we'd go. But instead, Jesus said, it's going to be better if I send the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the one called alongside. I'm going to send him to you. And when I send him, when the Holy Spirit gets here, now instead of people having to go to one person, the Holy Spirit is going to be active in the church all around the world. He's going to be active in the life of the believer all the time, 
all around the world. And instead of one place to go, now wherever you go, how many know that God can do a miracle wherever you go? It's an amazing thing. God, instead of saying, go here, God says, you go there and signs and wonders will follow and you'll have the power in you, the power of God. It'll be manifest out there. A much, much better plan and it keeps it from turning into a circus. Now, Jesus gives this glimpse of what's gonna happen and he tells his followers, he says, you wait, you wait until the day that the Holy Spirit is poured out. So they're waiting and in Acts chapter two, we find this in Acts chapter two, verses one through four, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then you see from this moment forward in the Bible, you'll see it became the normative experience for the power of the Holy Spirit to be brought into the life of the believer. You'll see multiple accounts in the book of Acts where they will lay hands on people and pray for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that the gifts of the Holy Spirit can be in operation. We'll talk about those gifts in this series. But it became the normative thing. It became a a turbocharged church, if you will. A turbocharged church that had the power of the Holy Spirit to see the work of God active and powerful. And the enemy's plan then from that point forward was to shut that down. If he can shut down the power of the Holy Spirit and make the church empty and powerless, he's starting to win in this deal. And so you've seen it. If he can't shut down the power in a church, he will try to marginalize a church like that and he'll say, you don't want to be one of those Holy Spirit filled people because they're the crazy ones with the crazy hair, the pink hair, the bad suits, the crazy actions, the facial tics, the jerks and things like that. How many know what I'm talking about? Can I tell you this? Those people were crazy before they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all I'm saying. All right? I'm just saying. Okay? Holy Spirit doesn't make you crazy. I'm just saying. So he tries to marginalize it. Now think about this. I've got a list. It's not an exhaustive list. I just put it together quickly. But Darlene Check, she writes a lot of the songs that we sing. A lot of the Shout to the Lord is probably one of the most famous songs that she wrote. She's baptized in the Holy Spirit. She says, I have had this experience. The whole Hillsong worship team that talks about this, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Joyce Meyer, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Glenn Berteau, John Bevere, Chris Kane, all these people profess this. These are people that we have speaking here. Some of you that may be older, you're like, well, I don't know if that's for old people. Pat Boone, baptized in the Holy Spirit, all right? We don't have a very old church. All right, so let's go a little younger. Rebecca St. James was in Charisma Magazine talking about the power of the Holy Spirit needed in her life. Why is that relevant today? She's married to one of the guys in Foster the People. That's about as current as it gets right now in the music scene. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Mark Batterson, power of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about former Attorney General John Ashcroft. That's somebody that was educated in a very high position in our country, baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Clark, It doesn't get any higher than that. That's educated. That's powerful. That's somebody that's not backwoods Arkansas, if you know what I'm talking about, all right? Because some of us say, well, that's just for them. No, this is for all people. This is for all people. Now, of course, in addition to this, I want to share this. All of your pastors, all of us, 
All of your pastors have experienced what I'm talking about here, the power of the Holy Spirit with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of these gifts in operation. And you thought we were normal before I shared that, and we're still normal, okay? I'm just saying, all right? Some of you wonder about the passion that we have. Some of you wonder about the passion of the church. Some of you wonder about this. There is a power of God. There are gifts of the Spirit. Sometimes you're like, Pastor Rob can't be that good of the preacher. That's the power of the Holy Spirit working through me. That's the power of the Holy Spirit giving us wisdom and knowledge and faith and different things that the Holy Spirit gives to his church. Okay, so these are the things that are going on. I want us to be like supernatural, and I want us to have it in a normal, supernatural way that it's happening all the time. I'm telling you what, that I think as much as we have the power of the Holy Spirit here, we need more. And I just got a a report. There are about 220 churches in the state of Minnesota that we affiliate with. We all fill out a report, like how large is your church, how many people came to faith, how many people water baptized, how many people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, this whole list, okay? And you keep track of that, you turn it in. The report just came out, and they said no other church in the state of Minnesota that filled out the survey had as many people baptized in the Holy Spirit as River Valley. No one even came close. They said, matter of fact, when you divide the the state of Minnesota into sections, and they have 15 to 20 churches in a section, they said almost every section, not one of them, even all together, had as many people that experienced the power of the Holy Spirit like River Valley, and yet I say we need more. We need more. We need more people to go after what God has for us. Every Holy Spirit retreat we should do, it's my prayer from this day forward that it be filled to capacity. My prayer would be that the next service coming in doesn't even have an opportunity to sign up because many of you are hungry for it and you'd rush to sign up online for our next Holy Spirit retreat. And we're offering at all of our campuses during this series. And so if you can't get in here, go to one of the other campuses. I'm just saying it should be a hunger, a desire, a a thirst, a questing for more of whatever God has. If he has something for us, we want it. Now to educate us more, let me just say this very clearly. The Holy Spirit is referred to as he or him. The Holy Spirit is a person. It is wrong to say it, okay? And I know sometimes we may not understand all the way and we may mess up and you may even hear a pastor mess up, but I'm gonna tell you theologically, we believe the Holy Spirit is a person. A person is a being with personality and from scriptures, we see that the Holy Spirit has a mind. In Romans 8, 27, it says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So the Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit shows emotions. Ephesians 4, 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit has emotions. These are things that a person would have. And so, again, make sure that you say this, the Holy Spirit, He, Him, the power of the Holy Spirit in that way. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, the Holy Spirit talks, or it says that the Holy Spirit has a will, that the Holy Spirit gives out gifts as He wills, as He decides, He gives different gifts to different people. Now, theologically, too, the Holy Spirit is God. He's not junior God, he's fully God, and we, at our own peril, we skip past saying, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It, it's, it's our own peril to do that. We, he is fully God. 
And I know that some have tried to figure out Trinity and, and we try to teach it and we stumble through it and I don't fully have it all grasped and the church has not fully grasped it all the way throughout history. And we say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're all God. And we say, like, you know, you got the egg shell, the egg white, the egg yolk, but how many know that's confusing? Because God's not an egg. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then we say, like, water, there's vapor and ice and water. And, you know, we try the best we can. But let me tell you something the Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit is the person of God in the now. Now, God is saying, I have sent the Holy Spirit to the earth so that the Holy Spirit can move and build the church. The Holy Spirit is now convicting people of sin, giving gifts through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and working powerfully on this earth. There's so many benefits to the power of the Holy Spirit, and yet we want to deactivate the power of the Holy Spirit. And the first one is really that, power. Acts 1.8 says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was telling them, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and when you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit, which is recorded in Acts chapter 2, he said, you're going to have power, and that power is going to be used for witnessing. That power, those gifts that you're going to receive are going to be gifts so that you can be a more effective witness throughout the world. The Bible talks about love in 1 Corinthians 13 as a love chapter, but it's sandwiched between chapters that are talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so when you have more of the Holy Spirit, you will have more love flowing in you. There's the fruit of the Spirit. There's comfort, counseling, conviction. There's prayer help. He anoints the preaching. That's what happens when we embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. Preaching becomes anointed. He blesses our time of singing and worship. And all of a sudden, people will feel the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. When we don't deactivate and say, Holy Spirit, you are not welcome in worship. You're not welcome in our theology. You're just over there on the sidelines. We deactivate you. You can sing the same songs we're singing and not feel anything. I'm just telling you. We went to a church uh, when we were on vacation and uh, had the boys with us. And we were doing worship. And this church was a very large church. And they were singing the same songs that we sing. And Logan looks at me, he's like, what's wrong? I mean, I'm just, I mean, nobody's raising their hands, nobody's into this. I mean, we're singing, I'm not, there's no, I mean, what? And I was just letting them go through, letting them go through. And all of a sudden, partway through, I said, well, this is a church that's kind of deactivated and benched the Holy Spirit. They're just not looking for that flow in the worship. They like those style of songs, but they kind of deactivated and benched them. And Logan looks at me, he goes, don't ever do that. He's like, I like what I feel. I like what God's doing in our church. And you know what I'm talking about. I know, I will never forget this. Probably one of the most predominant, you know, illustrations of this. This one lady came to me. She was an atheist. She came because she was humoring a friend. She came to our church. And she came up to me afterwards and she said, I felt something during worship. I cried the whole time. I don't even believe there is a God. And yet I felt something during the service and is it okay if I keep coming? And I said, no, we don't allow atheists. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I said, yes, keep coming, keep coming. And she did. And she came every week and cried and cried and cried. And she said, I think I'm going crazy because I feel something here. I feel something here. 
And then it was after a couple of months, she came into my office and said, I'm ready to ask Jesus Christ into my heart. And she gave her life to Jesus Christ. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, we believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to share that in this series in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. Let me read this. It says, something from the Spirit can be seen in each person for the common good. The Spirit gives one person the ability to speak with wisdom, and the same Spirit gives another the ability to speak with knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to one person, and to another, that one Spirit gives gifts of healing. The Spirit gives to another person the power to do miracles, to another the ability to prophesy, and He gives to another the ability to know the difference between good and evil spirits. The Spirit gives one person the ability to speak in different kinds of languages and to another the ability to interpret those languages. One Spirit, the same Spirit, does all these things and the Spirit decides what to give each person. Those are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are going to talk about those. Those are active in our church. Now you may say, Pastor Rob, I've never heard someone burst out in an unknown tongue in our church. I'm going to tell you in the culture of our church, those gifts are in operation, but maybe not in the way in the culture of other churches. But I assure you that all these gifts are in operation. And in our culture, the style that we do it and the way that it's operating here is a way that's really being effective. But I guarantee you, there are people in our prayer teams that are having words of knowledge and words of wisdom that have the gift of faith, that are seeing healings and miracles take place. I guarantee you, in one of our staff meetings recently, one of our staff spoke out in the gift of tongues. God has given me one of the gifts and an ability to interpret that. And I gave the interpretation in our staff meeting. God broke in in a supernatural, powerful way. Sometimes I'll be preaching and there will be things that are not in my notes and I'll start going and somebody will come up and afterwards they'll say, that was really powerful. It's almost like that was prophetic. There are times that God may give me a word or knowledge or a word of wisdom, even as I'm preaching and things are going on, but we just don't dress it up in King James. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, so culturally it's a little different, but it's highly effective, and I know that the power of the Holy Spirit is active with those gifts in our church. You would learn more about them at the Holy Spirit retreat, and I encourage you to sign up for that. I want us to realize that the Holy Spirit has more for us. If we're going to have more, we're going to have to move from the natural into the supernatural. And this should be easy for us. It really should. I don't understand how a church doesn't want to embrace the supernatural when everything about following Jesus Christ is supernatural. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe God sent His Son born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, came back from the dead. That's supernatural, all right? He ascended into heaven. He's there. Okay, that's supernatural. So I wonder why we're like, oh, I don't want to talk about supernatural. It should be fine for us to talk about. Everything in our faith is supernatural. Let's not bench the Holy Spirit, okay? And again, we will pastor this. Our elders, our pastors have been charged to pastor and and lead this and to make sure things are done decently and in order, to make sure that this fits with what the Holy Spirit is doing in our church, and we will pastor that. But we're going to get past our cultural fears, our bias, and say we want more. So let me pray as we start this series that we would receive more of what God has for us. So Lord, I pray right now for all of our church here, and I pray so much that we're so thankful for salvation and forgiveness and the joy that we feel in our life because of that, but we desire more. 
We look out at a world that needs uh, to know you, Jesus, and we, we see a world that cannot be convinced with arguments, but needs to see the power of God at work. They need to see a changed life. They need to see the power of God. They need to see things that will show them that there is supernatural God. And so I'm praying that we would move in that in a greater dimension. I would pray that we'd realize it's not because we're worthy, not because our church is better. It's just because we're open. We're only open. That's all we are. We are open vessels to be used by you. And with childlike faith, we ask today for more of the Holy Spirit in our church, more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, more of the Holy Spirit gifts in operation. I pray that we'd be a spirit-filled people. We'd be open to receiving this baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying for this and seeing this in operation in our church. And I'm just praying that we'd be open for more. Our worship would be deeper. Our prayer would be spirit-led. Our sermons would be anointed. I pray that the gifts would operate in this culture and that over and over it'd be done so that more people will come to faith in Jesus Christ. It is not so we can show off. It is not so that we can have cool, neat gifts. It's so that we can operate in these things so more people will come to faith in Jesus Christ. So I just pray for that. Help us to be open. Help us to get past our fear. Help us, help us to get past what we don't know. And I pray that we'd be open to more of what the Holy Spirit has for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.